You're listening to audio from the Cathedral Church of the Advent in Birmingham, Alabama, a church with a heart for the gospel. Find out more at adventbirmingham.org. Thanks, all. Today uh, we're going to talk about mercy and justice ministry. And the prayer I'm bringing in from our tradition today, this morning, to start us off is our prayer that we use typically after communion. We're saying a different one during the season of Lent, but these words will be familiar to you. And they speak to the topic if you pay close attention. Let us pray. Almighty and ever living God, we must heartily thank thee for that thou dost feed us in these holy mysteries with the spiritual food of the most precious body and blood of thy Son, our Savior, Jesus Christ, and dost assure us thereby of thy favor and goodness towards us, and that we are very members and corporate in the mystical body of thy Son, the blessed company of all faithful people, and are also heirs through hope of thy everlasting kingdom. And we humbly beseech thee, O Heavenly Father, so to assist us with thy grace, that we may continue in that holy fellowship and do all such good works as thou hast prepared for us to walk in, through Jesus Christ our Lord to whom with thee and the Holy Ghost be all honor and glory, world without end. Amen. Amen. The prayer that we're using now during Lent is quite similar in terms of now that all this has happened in worship, including the receiving of the the sacrament of communion, um, send us out into the world uh, to be your ministers for, for the benefit of the world, primarily for the proclamation of the gospel, but also as this says, for for love and good works of serving our neighbors who need our good works, uh, not God. Um, And so Bethany is going to talk all about that in terms of mercy and justice ministry. And I've asked her uh, again this term, but also last term when she was in here, to not give us a sales pitch per se about our, our ministries around here that are in the outreach and international missions department. But why? Who cares? Why, why should we even bother? What's the biblical background? What's the theology behind all this stuff? And as, as you saw with Zach's lesson last week, I think this is a great follow-up that in terms of worship being all of life um, and not just what we do when we gather on Sunday. And so what does that look like, Bethany, for us around here? Do you want to come up and tell us more about yourself and what you do and uh, kick us off? And, and if you want to... Um, put that to yourself. Feel free. Okay, that'd be great. Here, I'll pass it Thank you. I always feel very official when I put a little microphone on. <laughs> Good morning. Uh, I'm so I've been looking forward to being with you all for um, for a long time. So um, it's nice to finally get to be here. Um, I'm passing out a handout. Um, that we'll get to in just a second. But I wanted to open really just by telling you a little bit about how I ended up at the Advent doing what I do. And Matt said, mercy and justice. The handout says mission and outreach. Hopefully all those words tie in together for you. Um, and so um, I, my name is Bethany Rushing. I'm the director of mission and outreach. And I've been at the Advent for about two and a half years. Um, I want you to think back long ago to maybe the time when you first had um, an experience with something that you might call mission or outreach or mercy or justice. It's probably when you were a child or a teenager, but maybe not. Um, But think back to that moment of what that looked like for you. Um, Because the the definition that we kind of um, create over the years 
makes it hard to do my job sometimes. Because when you think about mission and outreach, you might have a picture of serving someone a meal, or it could be writing a check to a ministry, or it could be going overseas on a trip. And all of those are great pictures um, in um, and are definitely included in what it means to be a part of mission and outreach. But I want to kind of expand that just a little bit. So when I was in high school, my dad was a minister and he felt called to go to a different church. And so our family left and we started going to different churches, trying to find out the de- denomination where we fit. And so it, me being a kind of precocious 16 year old, I had a car. So I decided my younger sister and I, who was 13, we needed a consistent church home on Wednesdays. So we found a sweet Baptist church about 15 minutes away and started going there um, for their Wednesday night Bible study. And through that, met a boy that we both thought was really cute. And he did this thing on Saturdays in the inner city of Tampa. Um, So I was raised in a small town in Florida. And so in the inner city of Tampa, they had these block parties with an organization there. And so he went every Saturday and organized a group. So we started going every Saturday. So this was the inner city um, public housing area of Tampa, and it was maybe 30 minutes from my doorstep where I grew up um, and was very different than anything I had experienced. So I had never seen poverty in that way before. I'd seen poverty, um, but not in that way. I'd never seen um, people that really were struggling with hunger. Um, I had never seen um, nine-year-olds that were taking on the role of being kind of a father figure for little two-year-olds, and it really wrecked me in the best way ever. Um, and really gave me and my sister uh, a heart for those who are struggling in different ways than we were and gave us a love for a different culture than our own. Um, and so that has shaped me from being 16 years old to really pursuing a career um, towards bit towards justice and bit towards serving the poor. Um, and so anyway, that's how I kind of ended up here now. So I've, I've spent years in um, nonprofit work, and then about two and a half years ago, really felt led towards a different direction and so um, thankfully ended up at the Advent. So um, it's been just really wonderful getting to be here. So in my work in a nonprofit, I came across this book. Has anyone read or heard of When Helping Hurts? It's one of my favorites. Um, And it's one of my favorites because it sets up really um, how do we approach mission and outreach as a Christian? Um, And there are a lot of different things, again, these different pictures of what it looks like to serve the poor or to bring about mercy and justice. Um, And they really go to scripture to talk about that. So we're going to look at the beginning of our handouts, and I'm going to read to you Colossians 1, 15 through 20. He is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation. For by him all things were created, in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities, all things were created through him and for him. And he is before all things, and in him all things hold together. And he is the head of the body, the church. He is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, that in everything he might be preeminent. For in him all the fullness of God was pleased to dwell, and through him to reconcile to himself all things, whether on earth or in heaven, making peace by the blood of his cross. Now, in thinking of all the different passages of scripture that we could have started from, why do you think we decided to start with this passage? Well, for me, it's comforting to know that God's sovereign over all of what we're going to be facing, seeing, and experiencing. Mm-hmm. It kind of orders where we are in this role, right? Mm-hmm. That he is the one that is over all things. It's not us. What else? 
Well, similarly, it kind of, kind of deconstructs some man-made structures, political systems, order. Um, it, it transcends what we think of as the hierarchy. Mm-hmm, absolutely. There's a word in verse 20 that we're going to focus on today, and that word is reconcile, or we'll be talking about reconciliation. So in this, Christ made peace by the blood of his cross to reconcile himself, um, or to, to reconcile to himself all things, whether in heaven and on earth. Um, and so that's where we're going to kind of start with, is this idea of Christ is reconciling all things to himself, and then asking, where are we in that in that role, or what role do we have in that reconciliation? So if we're going to move on to this chart, which I call the gold nugget of When Helping Hurts. It's my favorite. I like to use it when we talk about um, serving people in poverty, but it also is helpful in thinking about my family system um, and different ways that they're brokenness. Because one of the things that you'll discover um, in studying this book and in thinking about how Christ is reconciling all things is that there's brokenness all around us, right? And so if we start at the beginning where things are perfect, they didn't stay perfect for very long. So once sin enters the picture, everything is thrown off. Um, and so that is, in fact, the definition of poverty um, that we have to start with. And of course, I just lost my place because I took the handout out. Okay. So when we think of poverty, what do we think about? I'm going to require you all to respond to me. People don't have any money. Exactly. So we typically go to a very economic-driven response. Um, when you ask people across the world what it feels or what it's like to be in poverty, they tend to respond in more emotive terms. So um, a sense of shame, a sense of not being worthy, a sense of not being enough. And so this is the definition that we're going to use for poverty, um, and it's by a guy named Bryant Myers. So poverty is the result of relationships that do not work, that are not just, that are not for life, that are not harmonious or enjoyable. Poverty is the absence of shalom in all its meanings. So when we think of shalom, it's this idea of Christ's perfect peace that is not present. Um, and so when we think of poverty, we have to think of this is the result of relationships that do not work. So if we want to push back against poverty, then what would that look like? Well, it would be moving towards relationships that do work, that are just, um, that are for our good and that are harmonious. Does that make sense? Okay, excellent. Okay, so we're going to look just real quickly at this, and I want you to think of in your own life or in those around you um, if, if this resonates with you or not, okay? So we think again of these broken relationships, a broken relationship first between us and God. And what that looks like now is the poverty of spiritual intimacy. Um, it could be denying God's existence, worshiping other things, being materialistic, having false gods, or basically putting ourselves in the role of God. Um, and that's what happens when that relationship is broken. We also have a broken relationship with self, and it can look like either as having a really strong God complex, really strong sense of pride, or the opposite, a very low sense of self-worth. Um, and you see that a lot with people that are materially poor. But sometimes, and I see this in myself, those things can be happening at the exact same time. I can have this strong sense of pride and this um, also low sense of self-worth, which is crazy, but that's what happens because of the fall. And we also have a broken relationship with others. And what this can look like is that we build our own success by exploiting others, um, that we are self-centered, um, and again, that we're not looking at others in the same way that Christ would. And then also, this one I think is the most complicated to explain, um, 
but really makes sense in our context a lot, is the poverty of a, a broken relationship with the rest of creation. So in the beginning, we were given um, the, com- the command to um, have stewardship over all of creation. So we were given a job to be gardeners, and it was good. And now we see in our world around us that either our worth comes from what we do, or we feel like we have no purpose, and so we feel a little bit aimless. And so all of this, again, goes back to this broken relationship between us and a good sense of work and vocation. And then all of this is not acting in isolation, but we also have surrounding it these different systems that are at work, the economic systems, the social systems, political systems, and religious systems. Um, And we have to recognize that in the same way that they influence our relationships, that we influence those systems as well. So this is the gold nuggets that I would love for y'all to just put on your refrigerator, think about it, ponder it, um, and, and, and think through where are the relationships that are broken in my own life. And I think once we start to look inwardly, um, we can also look around us to see where are we recognizing broken relationships that are around us. And then ask the question, how are we called to, um, to be Christ's hands and feet? Um, we're going to take a brief second. I'm going to read to you. Actually, I'm going to have someone else read. I'm getting tired of hearing myself talk already. Um, Debbie, could I have you read the quote at the bottom? Sure. Of course, the full reconciliation of all things will not happen until the final coming of the kingdom, when there will be a new heaven and a new earth. Only then will we te- will every tear be wiped away from our eyes, Revelations 21.4. There is a real mystery concerning how much progress we can expect to see before Jesus comes again. And good people can disagree. Fortunately, what we are to do every day does not hinge on resolving the issue. For the task at hand is quite clear. The kingdom, the king of kings is ushering in the kingdom that will bring healing to every last speck of the cosmos. As his body, bride, and fullness, the church is to do what Jesus did. Bear witness to the reality of the coming kingdom using both words and anticipatory deeds. We can then trust God to establish the work of our hands as he chooses, Psalms 97. So this is an excerpt from, again, When Helping Hurts, my favorite little resource tool. And one of my favorite, um, I think this is important because, again, in the same way that the Colossians passage reminds us that we are not the ones that are over all things, that Christ is, and that he is the one that is doing all of this, we have this reminder, too, Um, This focus on this future hope of when every tear will be wiped away from our eyes, Um, that this this future hope that we have is certain and it's coming. But in the meantime, um, we have this idea of anticipatory deeds. If this is what's coming, well, why wouldn't we lean into that? If this is what's promised, um, then why wouldn't we go about doing the work of reconciling relationships where we can? Um, so it's, it's one of my favorite, um, my favorite quotes from here because, again, it reminds us um, who's in charge, but that, again, we have this role and this opportunity um, to, to bring that about here um, and not just kind of wait. Um, so you'll flip your page over. We're going to rush through to a little activity, and then I'm going to come back to it. So we have lots of different ministry partners. Um, this is kind of the philosophy um, behind why we do mission and outreach, but we also work with lots of different partners. Um, we want to be um, present within our city, within our church, um, but we also work with different partners locally and abroad um, and really partner with groups that have the same idea of what it looks like to be engaged in the community, um, working towards reconciled relationships. So one of my um, 
I probably can't say one of my favorite partners that we have, but I'm, but I'm going to because they are, um, is Global Teams. And one of the reasons they're my favorite is because of the way they approach missions. Um, so the mission of Global Teams is to see the heart of Christ in the skin of every culture. And so they work primarily with unreached people groups. Um, and we had um, a couple of their um, leadership team in town a couple months ago, and they did a class for us on Acts 17. And so basically, I'm just going to copy everything that they did because it was really helpful for me. So I'm going to have y'all, who has a Bible, if you'll raise up your Bible, it could even be on your phone. And then I want you to surround whoever has a Bible, as in move your chairs and your bodies if you want. But a Bible on your phone is completely legitimate. Um, just want to remind you that. And we're going to turn to Acts 16. And I'm going to have you re- have one person in your group read aloud Acts 16 through 34. And here's what I want you to think about as you're reading it aloud. And get into groups of more than two. 16, 16 Acts 17, sorry, 17, 16 through 34. I want you to read it aloud, and I want you to think of through this question. Where is God already at work? And I want you to, to read it as if you do not know anything from Scripture. And then we're going to talk about it. Are you reading it out loud? Like 
Okay, when, when you're done reading, I want you to discuss in your groups what stuck out to you. Okay, you can you can stay in your stay in your groups. You can stay huddled like this. Um, so if we were in an unreached people group where there were a couple of believers, um, this is how you would study scripture together. You would find someone that had scripture, whether it was on their phone or a printed piece um, that had it in their own language, and you would huddle around them. And generally, whoever had the scripture would read it out loud. And if you didn't have it, you might be writing it down word for word. So keep that in mind, too. Anytime you are able to pull it up on your phone or open the word of God is that you have it in your own language and what a gift that is. Um, so you, you're studying it in the same way um, that other cultures would study it together, um, which is a really just a special visual, hopefully, for y'all. Um, but so so tell me, what are some of the things that stood out um, in reading this passage again? Right. Isn't that interesting? Because it starts off um, and Paul is um, in the same way that I probably would be. He's kind of horrified of all this idolatry, mm-hmm. but he doesn't say that, does he? He finds a bridge pretty quickly. And so what does he say to compliment them? That they're very religious. They're very religious, right? So instead of focusing on the thing that he doesn't agree with, he finds a way to build a bridge. Um, and if someone said that to us, how would we respond? You know, yeah. you're such a religious people. Would that immediately open a door for like, yeah, <laughs> thank you for noticing. Um, and then he's able to do what? What does he move on from, from that point to do? And frankly, he lawyers them. Well, and let's think about Athens. What happens in Athens? There's a very um, set structure of logical forms of arguments that he has to go through. So in order for Paul to be able to do that, it means he spent a lot of time learning that culture for him to be able to do that, right? 
So instead of him just kind of going in, um, he, he spent some time learning the people in order to basically be invited to have this opportunity to share. And what does he do in, in his argument? What's something, um, did something stand out that we use in our liturgy? He quoted a couple of things. In verse 28, what does he say? Does that sound familiar? Do you know what it originally was from? So it's from a poem by Epimenides that was attributed to Zeus. So not to our God. And so what did he do in that? Well, he was able to take something from their culture. And what did he say about it? What do you think that did to them using part of their culture that they were familiar with? But did he leave it there? <laughs> yeah, so he, he, he took this and said, this is partly true. Can I tell you more? So he used that as a bridge. He's already been connected with them relationally by, by spending time there. But then he was able to use that as a springboard to talking to them about this living God. Um, and the way he did that was to say, um, was to use pieces of their culture um, but then he connected it, um, the second portion, for we are indeed his offer, offspring, that's also from a poem um, that's attributed to Zeus. And so he's able to connect that to say, being then God's offspring, he's just able to build off of their culture and point to Christ in a different way. Um, so what could that mean for us as we're engaging in mercy and justice and seeking um, reconciled relationships throughout the city and our world? Um, what could this mean for the way we approach people? Well, I think to be focused on how all of them how to mm-hmm. connect to them, find something in common, mm-hmm. just like you would any friendship. Right. Um, and, I, and I don't al- always do that. That's one of the reasons I loved um, this lesson that Global Teams taught several months ago. It was very convicting to me. And one of the things they always ask is, um, where is God already at work? Again, if we're reminded that we are here and that God is over all things, then he's already, he's already gone ahead of us. You know, there, you might, maybe you've worn one of these t-shirts, and if so, I'm, I apologize for making fun of them. But there are some churches that will wear, um, when they go on overseas mission trips, that'll say, like, bringing Jesus to Haiti. Um, that make me want to throw up um, because because newsflash he's already there and so that that's the gift that we have of being in Christ is that we can just follow wherever the Holy Spirit is leading um, which takes that pressure off um, and again reminds us of our place and so in the same way that Paul is looking for these bridges he's looking for where has God already established himself and what can we use as a springboard um, to share more um, and so that's again um, there are, are different ways of approaching missions, but this is, this is to me, um, a way that is having great success um, because it's biblical, which imagine that. Um, so this, that's just our little exercise for today. Um, thank you all for participating. I'm trying to see what time we're at. I think we're to the questions portion. Um, there's a lot of other just details on here that you might be interested in, maybe not. Um, but I'm going to mention to you two different upcoming events or things that um, you could get involved with. The first is we're doing our first ever church-wide service day. 
Um, again, as someone that worked at a nonprofit, when I hear service days, then I want to run for the hills because generally it was churches calling me two days before they wanted 120 people to show up to do something that was meaningful, but they only had 30 minutes. Um, so we're going to do something a little bit different. So one of um, the four hearts that you might have heard about is one is a heart for the city of Birmingham. Um, but you can't really have a heart for what you do not know. And so our hope is that we'll be meeting at the church and we'll go out in five different teams um, to do a prayer walk and a trash pickup. And so the hope is really that we'll just spend some time in the city getting to know it more um, and lifting up um, just needs um, to God while we're picking up trash. So it'll be really simple and families can come and participate and um, we'll have some garbage bags and gloves and uh, it'll be a good way to connect with other people from the church too. So if you're interested in participating in that, then you can email Anita and her email address is listed. Um, and then another fun thing that we're doing is a, a workshop called Soul Stories. And Matt's been helping me and some other people plan this. And really, it'll be um, just an opportunity to learn how to retell stories from Scripture and how to tell our own testimony in light of the full story of Scripture. So if you've ever been interested in practicing something like that, um, I think it'll be a really fun class. And it'll be Thursdays during the day um, from 9.30 to 11. Um, and hopefully it'll go well, and then we'll be able to offer it at other times of the day for people that work. So um, I don't know if y'all have any questions for me, but if you would like to get together, I love having lunch and coffee with people and just chatting. So um, I do have um, a list where if you want to sign up for some email updates that I try to send out about once a month with just various things, then you can come sign up before you leave today. Any questions? Awesome. Hey Bethany, if you don't mind me asking, you, sure. you did work in nonprofits and mm -hmm. now for Advent. Can you compare and contrast a little bit your work <laughs> and how it, how it differs? Yeah, it's very different. Um, well, it's interesting. You know, I think a lot of a lot of my work has to do with culture. And so I had been in a culture of um, fundraising, so working with a certain you know, set of the population, fundraising for a different set of the population. And so now I get to come here and it's kind of reversed. So instead of me asking for money from people to support this work, then I get to encourage people to give and to get involved with their whole lives um, to various different types of ministries and groups. Um, so it's just kind of the flip side of it. So I, I really have said for years, there's no way that I could have done this job without being prepared of having the perspective of what it's like to, to be in. Um, I mean, nonprofit work is really hard. Ministry work in general is really, really hard. Um, and it's this constant wheel of survival. And so, you know, I, I don't have that um, same pressure and stress on me that I had in that world. But it's a good reminder to, um, especially for people that want to give, to remind them the importance of, of what it really can accomplish and the impact it can have. Yes, thank you for asking. Um, for anyone that ever wants to get involved in something mission outreach related, that's always the first step. Um, the Thursday service has been going on for about 15 or 20 years. Um, it's a really diverse service. Um, it's a midweek worship service with a pretty stripped down liturgy of songs, scripture readings, um, and a, a mini homily. Um, and it's just a sweet time of getting together and worshiping with people that um, are not necessarily in the pews on Sunday mornings. So there are people that are from lower income backgrounds, and we have a sack lunch that we give away. Um, but more than anything, it's just become a midweek worship service um, that people from all across the city feel comfortable coming to. Um, so there's been really neat relationships formed through through that. So you just 
if you want to come, just come at 8.30 and sit. And it's 8.30 until about 9.10. So it's a pretty quick service. Once a month, we have a fellowship in Clingman Commons. And um, this past week, the kids from the, the school here sponsored the social. And so they brought tons of food and stayed around and visited with everyone. So it was just a sweet time. Um, but if, if you're interested, um, I would highly encourage you to come. And then we rotate through who preaches. So Matt preaches, you know, what's a quarter and um, some other people. I have one question. Yeah. What do you think, so doing a lot of local missions work and outreach and everything, what do you like? What have you seen as being like the overall biggest issue with, you know, the like needs that aren't being addressed? Yeah, just like, you know, like maybe the biggest commonality or something. Is it do y'all have any, is it financial? Like, do y'all have any ideas? I have my opinions, but do y'all have any thoughts on what that might be? Um, I would say um, transportation is a huge issue that's not being addressed. Mental health is an issue that's not being being addressed, and then affordable housing are the three. And some of them are being addressed in kind of smaller ways, but yeah. for us uh, next week as I said our last meeting and I'll be talking about to wrap everything up um, discipleship and what exactly that means um, and uh, there's a bunch of different subtopics in that but we, we will be looking at scripture and I'll leave you with some practical things uh, Fontaine will be out but Stephen will be her sub as our host next week and um, hope to see y'all then would you uh, pray for us on our way out Bethany? yeah Um, Oh, God of all nations, we thank you for loving us. We thank you for sending your son, Jesus, to rescue us from sin and death. And um, we thank you that you have a heart, um, not just for all of the nations uh, apart from us, Lord, but also for for us where we are. And so we thank you for our city, and we ask that you will show us how to be a light where you have placed us. We ask all of this in the name of your son, Jesus. Amen. Amen. You've been listening to audio from the Cathedral Church of the Advent. If you live in Birmingham or find yourself visiting, we hope you'll join us at one of our Sunday services. Find out more at adventbirmingham.org.